Hey there, Marshall students, and welcome to another episode of NBA's Unplugged. I'm your host, Fetch McDermott, and let's get things kicked off for today, Tuesday, April 14th. So for program office updates, we actually do have some updates for you this time around, and we will be getting those more regularly going forward now that we're a couple episodes in. So first things first, today at from 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, there will be a virtual coffee with the deans where students can stop in to ask questions or simply just chat. For all the students, there should be calendar invites for you to access the Zoom link to join that meeting. Uh, as for the second announcement from the program office we have the student org officers training today from 5 o'clock to 6 20 p.m on diversity and inclusion so if you are an officer in any of our student clubs or organizations you are required to attend that session this is the second time we're hosting this session so i believe that's the last time we're holding the session so i think everyone has to have taken at least either the first or second so if you haven't yet make sure that you attend the second hosting of this session uh, and then just as a general announcement for the class of 2021 make sure to check your holds on my usc so that the program office can register you for the classes that you won during bidding so unless you want to lose out on the classes that you won from bidding make sure that you don't have any holds on that account to impact that for yourself okay moving on Actually, there's one more program office announcement we should make. Uh, this one's for tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, April 15th, from 12.30 to 1.50 p.m. And this is for MBA international students, a conversation with immigration lawyer T.L. Loke Walsh. I'm butchering that. Um, an email invite has been sent out to all the international students, but if you have any trouble accessing this meeting, please reach out to Kat Lopez for the link and more information. I, I have no more insight as to what this meeting's about. So uh, just sort of relaying the information I got from the program office. Uh, moving on to clubs. No main club announcements for at least things going on today. However, for tomorrow with the BEA club, there is going to be a Zoom and Learn with uh, our 2021 classmate David Kinrich on major sports leagues and media rights deals. So if you're interested in learning more about the history of the major sports leagues, media rights deals, or are curious about how the fallout of the next deals might impact linear programming, streaming, and OTT, I forget what OTT is, in the coming years, <laughs> in this session, you're going to examine the history of all the sports media rights and use the historical context to discuss what the future of sports viewing might look like after this whole coronavirus, I imagine. So... If you're interested in that, that is tomorrow, Wednesday, April 15th from 5 to 6 p.m. And you can sign up or register for that uh, via the campus groups where you can also find a Zoom link to access the session tomorrow as well. So that about does it for the general announcements that I had. But before we jump into the guest interview portion of the show, uh, I just wanted to note that uh, today's pre-recorded session is with Ankit Saroha which was recorded, I believe, on uh, March 31st, I'm pretty sure. However, there were two others who were recorded before that, one with Josh Walnick and one with Kit Fong, uh, which I intended to release both today and tomorrow. However, I'm having some audio difficulty with, I guess, the post-production on the episode, mainly because I didn't have this nice podcast mic at the time. I was sort of waiting on Amazon for that, so... Uh, Apologies to those two that I haven't been able to get your episode out yet. I do plan to in the near future. Uh, I just need to sort of go through and polish up mainly the recording on my end because your end was fine. I'm the one who's going using a really crappy headphone mic. So just a lot of post-editing on my part, but those two should be coming out fairly soon. Uh, but in the meantime, we have enough episodes that we're going to move forward with in the meantime. 
Um, did I say meantime twice? Okay, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, moving on to the guest portion of our show, I will now segue into the interview that we had with Ankit Saroha. So enjoy. And now introducing our guest for today's podcast, a good friend of mine who's recently joined the program all the way from India. Uh, how are you doing today, Ankit? Hey, Fej, I'm good. I'm quite good. How are you? Doing well. Can't complain from here on the East Coast. How are things for you? Are you back? Are you still in LA right now? Yeah, I'm, I'm in LA right now. So West Coast, West Coast is actually not doing that bad compared to the East Coast right now. Oh, yeah. No, I can... I can relate to that. I'm still not sure why I came all the way back to this coast, but um, I'm here now. So, <laughs> yeah, I hope you're keeping safe, like not going outside or anything. Uh, we can table that for. I mean, I'm going outside, but I'm not interacting with anyone right now. So it's just me and my family stuck in our home. So, <laughs> um, going on to hear more about you, though. Uh, why don't you tell us about uh, growing up in India? Because uh, I know we have a lot of people from different regions of the world. So I'm curious to see uh, what your take is on how you sort of came up and uh, coming from India, at least. Yeah, sure, definitely. So I grew up in New Delhi and I did my schooling in New Delhi. I come from, a, my father was working in an Air Force. Uh, so I come from a military background mm -hmm. and even my school was uh, Air Force school. So it was quite uh, disciplinary and we did face uh, a lot of challenges there, but it was quite fun actually. And during my school time, I was introduced to this uh, programming languages called C++. Uh, that is the first time I really got interested into programming, into computer science. I, uh, I did C++ for two years uh, during my high school in 11th and 12th. And then I decided that I would, I would like to continue my uh, career in, I would like to do my BTEC in computer science and engineering. So after uh, my high school, I uh, joined NIT Raurkela and did my BTEC in computer science and engineering there. Uh, and then I decided to work as a software engineer because I was really loving uh, how I was using technology to solve business problems. Like there was, and it was the time that startups were growing uh, very quickly in India. Mm -hmm. So I joined multiple startups in Bangalore. The first was an auto, uh, an automobile startup. It was called Auto Ninja. They were, they are worked as a software engineer, and we were getting exposure to clients that were operating in Bangalore. So it was quite interesting because we were growing from point zero, and we so uh, we we grew from like 150 clients to about 500 clients in about a year. And this was quite interesting because even though I was working as a software engineer, I was uh, directly involved with clients, how they're using my software, how, uh, what, what kind of problems they're facing and how my software can actually help uh, develop their businesses more. And after that, like I, I joined another startup called Casa One. It's a furniture rental startup that operates in SF, LA, DC, New York. And I think they have expanded to Texas now. And uh, I was like the second, second or third employee on this. And initially, yeah. And I, I've seen revenues of this company grow from like zero, zero to $150,000 per month. And that, that was, that was a crazy ride because, uh, because I come from India. So it took me some time to actually understand the market of us, understand the customers of us, the culture of us mm -hmm. and how people actually 
respond to the changes that you make online so it took me quite some time but like after i got a hang of it i was i was actually loving it because this was completely new to me this was uh, this was kind of an exploration for me of of a new market and while working for startups i realized that so i realized two things one thing was so i i had an engineering manager at both the companies and i realized that this is not the job that i would want to do in 10 years the because it was job yeah because because it was too technical and while working for the startups i developed started developed a liking for business sites so uh, i i started uh, loving to solve the business problems and engineering manager jobs were only focused on technical problems and not they were not looking at the big picture uh, all the time so mm-hmm. so that that was the one reason and the second reason was that even though i wanted to go move to the business side i could see that there was some gaps knowledge gaps between me and my managers me and the founders ceos like how they process the data how they look at a problem and how i look at the problem and i could see that some formal education would really help me in bridging this gap so that is the second reason that i thought about my life like i thought about the kind of decisions i should make and yep. i decided that mba should be the right uh, choice for me right now so that is the main, these are the two main reasons that i decided to go for an mba so i guess uh sort of coming back a little bit before we keep moving forward so casa one you said was that the first company that you had exposure to i guess the us sort of working culture yeah exactly yeah okay and, and so, so uh, like i got exposure to two different cities sf and la like sf uh, is where all the startups grow is sf with the silicon valley yeah. and people are quite brutal there like uh, they they are quite supportive but they are quite honest and brutal with uh, so they will tell you on your face what you're doing right what you're doing wrong and uh then when we expanded to la so la people are not that brutal they they they're a little laid back so i mean it was a nice transition it was a smooth transition but those two were like quite uh interesting markets to explore uh, initially yeah it was your exposure to sf and la sort of uh something that came into play when you were looking at MBAs because i assumed that you ended up at USC for a reason so uh were you looking specifically at uh, uh MBA programs in SF and LA or were you looking more local at first so i only looked at international programs because i felt that i need more exposure to international market so i thought US would be the perfect choice for that and in us particularly i was looking at the west coast because i was looking to transition into the tech industry and the tech industry is majorly located on the west coast i was also looking at product management specialization specifically and uh, one of the other school that has product management specialization is nyu stern mm-hmm. uh, but that's on the east coast so i had uh, accept i had got accepted at nyu stone and usc marshall both but so there was a confusion which one should i choose because stone has a product management specialization but usc marshall is on the west coast 
but mm-hmm. i thought it would make more sense for me to be closer to the silicon valley to the tech industry on the west coast so that is the main reason i chose usc marshall yeah because i guess marshall doesn't really have any specializations but yeah, since uh, you can choose most of your electives you can probably make your own uh, product management specialization if that's what you were shooting for yeah yeah exactly we can customize our, our own specialization and also a lot of tech companies like you have silicon beach here in la and you have easier mm-hmm. access to sf like we did so many tech tricks during our vacations during our breaks that i think that would have been possible with nyu but like it would have been more difficult if i were on the east coast and not on the west coast yeah uh so i guess before we dive into more of the marshall specific content uh, yeah. I kind of wanted to hear more about your experience living in LA so far. So how, how has the transition been coming from uh, India to living out in the sunny side of California? Uh, actually, I chose LA. I, cho- uh, I chose New York. Uh, I chose to apply to into major cities because I actually come from a big city in India. Mm-hmm. And even then, like I have worked in uh, Bangalore, which is also one of the major cities in India. So I actually like the culture of uh, cities like are uh, not that much of the rural areas like I prefer to live in urban areas so that is the main reason I chose to apply to uh, schools in major cities in US mm-hmm. and I was actually I uh, I actually had a different image of LA before I came here because <laughs> like oh, yeah me too, me and, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I first came here the first thing I noticed when uh, I was riding, the, I was taking the cab from airport to to my uh, Airbnb. Was that there are no clouds in the sky in LA? Like it is pure blue sky, pure sunny weather, no clouds at all. And I was really amazed. I, I asked my, I even asked my Uber driver, the, "Do you have clouds?" He said, "No, never. <laughs> Only when it rains sometimes, like two or three times a year." But no, it's mostly sunny. It's mostly blue skies all over the time. And California is actually, I think it's kind of a desert region. So the daytime would be a little hot, but the nighttime would be a little cold. Yeah, the temperature range is, it fluctuates a lot. Yeah, the temperature fluctuates a lot here. Like uh, sometimes it's eight degrees, sometimes Oh, sorry, I'm talking about Celsius. Oh, God, I yeah. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, trust yeah, me. Sometimes it would be like 65 to 70, then it would move up to 80. Mm-hmm. And so that's quite interesting. But but I, honestly, I don't I don't hate that hate that at all. I actually love it because I, I come from New Delhi and temperatures are quite extreme there, like you, more extreme than the temperature here, here in LA. Oh yeah, I wouldn't say this is extreme at all. <laughs> yeah, LA, LA is actually moderate weather. I think uh, other cities like New York has more, like winters in New York are pretty tough, I've heard. Yeah, yeah, winters in New York tend to be cold and in the summers it tends to get like really humid and almost like a swampy feel. Yeah, But exactly. out in California, the biggest learning curve is that it's going to be two different temperatures during the day. So it'll be cold at night. Yeah. Cold in the morning and then hot as all hell in like the midday afternoon. And so I I can't seem to dress for the day either. So like I'll leave <laughs> and I'll see it's cold. So I'll put on like a long sleeve winter jacket almost. And then I'll be campus midday, 80 degrees. And I'm sweating my balls off. So yeah, like even when you're walking on campus, 
because when you're walking in the sun it feels a little hot and when you stand in the shade for like 5 to 10 minutes and if the wind is blowing you'll start feeling cold again oh yeah so your body <laughs> body is quite confused like what's happening i uh, I'm, i'm thinking about that courtyard right now it's like a vortex yeah. in there it's like when, yeah, when it's yeah, sunny yeah. it's hot and then when you're in the shade you start freezing yeah exactly <laughs> and uh, overall like la is quite quite a huge city i would say like i think it's a mixture of like multiple small cities and these small cities like culver city you have then you have <clears throat> long beach on the south mm-hmm. so these multiple small areas came together to form this huge big metropolitan city and the all the areas are quite different like hollywood is quite different downtown is quite different so <clears throat> the like the only image i had of us cities was of new york Manhattan. yeah just giant uh, urban sprawls yeah, skyscrapers tall buildings all over the place uh but la is quite different from that you have expanded cities but not that tall buildings only the downtown area has a few tall buildings but not that much too yeah but the one thing that i miss the most is people there are no people in us because i come from india we have a lot of people there out on the street every time every place in the shops in the malls uh but la seeing uh, like when you go out on the streets there are uh, very less people like there are a lot of uh, vehicles on the road like people are always driving to somewhere i don't know yeah driving at, at any point driving. of time like no matter what time it is it's daytime or nighttime there are a lot of cars on the road but there are no people on the uh on the footpaths on the roads are so you that, did that, you okay. are you living in downtown yeah okay so you're right in downtown la which is where you would think there'd be a lot of foot traffic but yeah like there are more people in hollywood like uh, a few places that i've been to hollywood has more people on the streets than any other places so that place yeah. actually seems a lot more lively yeah i would almost argue like hollywood and santa monica and those areas have a lot more foot traffic i think it's just downtown la i guess for us it doesn't seem that bad because we just showed up but Yeah. Apparently it hasn't had the best reputation for the past couple of years and it's slowly been getting better. Uh yeah, and yeah. so I think we came at a time where it's sort of like halfway there, meaning halfway to like getting better, but people aren't really walking around out there yet. Yeah, so Yeah, exactly. I guess things will become much more better in the coming years, yeah. I that's what I assume. I don't know. I feel like I pass by a new building every day in downtown LA. So <laughs> Yeah, a lot of construction is happening here. All but the time. I, but about Santa Monica and yeah actually visited Santa Monica Venice Beach like these places are like they have a uh, beach on the beach side you have uh, i guess basketball courts you have skateboard skateboard arenas or something mm-hmm. a lot of stuff is happening there so those those are quite the places that you should actually visit yeah Well, I'm glad to hear you've been settling in in LA nicely and I'm glad it's sort of like the area you're kind of looking for coming from a big city yourself. So, it's nothing that's I guess too unfamiliar even though there are some new things to I guess get used to. Uh yeah. so now that we're going to dive more into the martial specific stuff. Before we do that, we're going to have our quick trivia round with you. Uh right. and seeing as you were a computer science major, Uh-huh. in college i am going to try to ask you some it says general computing trivia but i did electrical engineering too so i can kind of pick out where the what might be the trickier questions or what might be the <laughs> the more fun okay. ones uh so i'm not going to ask you the one where the answer is central processing unit for what cpu stands for because that just oh, seems i knew that one okay, it went way too basic yeah <laughs> <laughs> um 
I have no idea who this is. I'm just going to guess you might know it, seeing as you were computer science and I was electrical. So uh, this person, considered the father of computers, designed the mechanical difference engine in the 1820s to compute values of polynomial equations. Well, if it's the father of computers, I think it's supposed to be Charles Babbage. Well, yeah, see, I knew you'd know that one. (laughs) The answer is Charles Babbage. Nice. Oh, wow. I learned that one in high school. It says it says the uh, the engine that he com- that he built to compute the value of polynomial equations was never completed, but would have weighed fifteen tons. Jesus. Yeah, I actually remember the term "father of modern computer," and I just remember that it was Charles Babbage. Well, you <laughs> you were. But correct. I have no idea about the engine he created. I <laughs> no idea either. Okay. Let's keep going. There's like 28 pages, so I'm just going to run through this. Um, okay. Uh, you might you might know that one. What is considered the lowest level of computer language? A microprocessor? Um, lowest level of computer language, you mean yeah. assembly language? Assembly is one of the options, but it doesn't say it's the lowest. But you're on the right track. Machine language. Machine, right. yes. <laughs> I remember learning a bit about machine language. I think it was like one of the classes that we had that bled over the computer. And I remember sitting there being like, I'm so glad I'm electrical because I don't have no idea what else <laughs> going on right now. Yeah, machine languages, it just has ones and zeros and nobody really understands it, except the computer, of course. Yeah, exactly. My 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 thought was like everything started off as, as machine language and then we use machine language to build other stuff to make it easier to never use that again. Yeah, so like computer only understands ones and zeros. I don't know why. Like everything's then, almost like a layer. Like the computer takes the ones and zeros, but then yeah. there's like layers that make it more user-friendly as you go up. Yeah, so the bo- most basic one is machine language. Then to make it a little easier, you have assembly language. Yeah. And then at the end, you have high-level languages. Like pretty much the typical like programming that you do. Like so Python. Python, Python is C++. Level. Yeah, exactly. MATLAB. <laughs> Let's see. I want to find like two more. Do, 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 do. Some of these are so easy and then some of these are like just impossible. Um, Ask me the impossible ones. I'll get you an impossible. You might get this one. I'll get you an impossible one next. Uh, who laid out the basic concept of a modern computer as a computing machine that uses algorithms to produce results? His name is attached to a theoretical machine in many thought is experiments. It, is it Alan Turing? Yep. Alan yeah, Turing. <laughs> yeah, like there's there's also an award on his name, Turing Award. So like people who have contributed significantly to to computer science, they are uh, he was a mathematician originally, I guess. And he built some kind of yeah, he actually built the computer. So that was pretty cool of him. Well, it was what he built the, he used the algorithm to help crack the codes for like 
because uh, I guess the codes that the Germans use would like change every oh. every like 24 hours or something. I forget. There's a whole movie on it that I watched with like Benedict Cumberbatch or something. And this was the premise of it at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so he's sort of like the modern computer was developed then to help sort of crack the code so that they can run through all the different combinations and figure out what the code was in time that they could actually use it to intercept messages or something. Yeah, I think it was Alan Turing only, like, uh, the movie, yeah, yeah, that's the movie, yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch was on it, on it. Yeah. Okay, let me find you a, a real shit one for you. Uh, let's see. Sometimes I feel like I could get, though. I don't want to give you that one. <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. Oh, that's an old one. No. God damn it. Uh I mean, not that you wouldn't, it's just not even a fair one. Okay. Whose law observes that the number of transistors and in integrated circuits and hence computing power doubles every two years? I have no idea. Uh, I know that, like, I'm familiar with that law, but I don't know. Like, you know the concept about how like the technology yeah. curve just goes exponential because it just jumps to every two years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know um, that concept, I know that law, but I don't know who actually. Apparently it was Gordon Moore. Oh, never heard of him. Who was the co-founder of Intel. Oh, wow, okay. So, and so he predicted that the trend would continue. He, yeah, he, he predicted this trend back in the 60s. So, oh, and apparently it's still holding true today. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, okay. Have you, have you actually done any languages? Have you learned any programming languages yourself? Um, so I did like C++ and stuff in high school too. Uh, really basic stuff like making like a crappy poker game or something. I think we played, we made like a blackjack game. Oh, um, nice. And then in college as an electrical engineer, the first two years were spent with uh, joint classes. So it was classes that mm -hmm. we both took. Um, so I did some... I did an uh, assembly, assembly slash machine learning class where we mainly did all our stuff in assembly, but we still had to know how it translates to machine. Okay. Um, I did a couple other like more like robotics coding classes where we would actually like use uh, integrated circuits and uh, attach like, I guess, lights and uh, digital clocks to like microprocessors and we would program the microprocessors to actually like run uh, certain scenarios in the languages. That was all, oh, that was all almost like seven years ago now. So that's all gone. <laughs> Do you like remember anything like you did C++, right? Do you remember the first line that goes into writing any kind of program? Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, I remember putting my ints. <laughs> it starts with, like, there are some libraries that you have to include initially. It starts with hash, include, 
Oh man. Oh. <laughs> Shoot. Yeah, or is the hashtag include something, I don't know, dot DLL or I don't know. <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. Like the basic one that we used to use was IOStream, hash include IOStream, not H. IOStream, oh, God damn it, no. <laughs> oh, the, the sad part is I feel like 90% of people listening are going to be like, what the hell are these two people yeah. talking about? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That, that, was the part, that was the part I always sucked at, though, was knowing how to start this stuff. And so I would always like pull from someone else's code online and just copy that yeah. and just assume that it got the right libraries. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what we used to do all the time. Like, I know how to code the middle part, but I don't know like, how you would actually initialize all the stuff and all that. Especially when I have to like, reference to like, other like, pages or anything, I was garbage at that. Like, if I could just do like, all my nested for loops and stuff, <laughs> I would just do that all day. <laughs> no wow that's amazing actually um, <laughs> well i am i am glad i am where i am now so <laughs> uh diving more into i guess uh you're t uh talking about more your time spent here at marshall uh, i yeah. got some three more questions for you that uh we can run through right here um so first uh, given that you came here from India to go to school in the U.S., uh, what resources specifically has Marshall provided uh, that has made that transition a little easier for you? So before uh, actually coming to U.S., Marshall provided us with some documents about uh, Marshall in general, about the city. <clears throat> and we also actually made a WhatsApp group amongst ourselves who were going to join Marshall, all of the international students. And one, uh, so there's this member of the club GISC that actually helps international students that is actually made only for uh, international students. And one of the board member uh, uh, was actually part of that WhatsApp group. So she actually guided us throughout our uh, Throughout, our, throughout uh, when we were actually stuck on something like how do you apply for the visa, where can I look for housing, and like uh, what what the course is going to look like, and so she actually quite helped all the international students. Her name is Sharon, she and she is VP of uh, GISC. So she actually mm -hmm. helped us throughout. And even after we joined Marshall, she has been helping us throughout our internships. Uh, how how do you apply for driver license? How 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 do you apply for <clears throat> how do you apply for if you want to visit your home country after you come back here? So she has been pretty helpful throughout our time. <clears throat> and after we joined Marshall, we had an international orientation here, where uh, the people from Office of International Services actually guided us about the culture here, about the city about the challenges that international students face. Mm -hmm. We were told about the sports here, baseball, American <laughs> football, uh, basketball. We were uh, educated upon the famous players right now so that we don't feel uh, lost when American students are actually having a conversation about the okay. <laughs> That was actually pretty interesting. We got we learned a few of the ro uh, rules of the American football, of the basketball. Mm -hmm. And... <clears throat> Uh, in a general uh, stuff about culture, how culture is different in US uh, compared to 
uh, international countries like uh, Asia or Europe or South America. So we had this orientation for about two to three days. And uh, we also talked to a few of the second year international students who were actually interning at that time. So they took out time from their internships to come and talk with us. Uh, a panel was being called uh, by the uh, administration. So we got, we got to talk with them. We learned about the challenges that we would be facing in our first year and how they actually uh, can help us prepare for these challenges. So I, I would say that a lot of resources were, uh, were provided to us, especially about, especially from the second years, yeah. like the Trojan network that people talk about, that's all over the internet. It's, it's actually real and it's, it's super helpful. Like Trojan network is the best network out there. Yeah. That's sort of like the, even from international to domestic students, that's sort of the vibe I've gotten from everyone so far is that the Trojan network has really helped everyone's experience just, come to a different level. And I guess I knew about the international orientation since it was on everyone's sort of like schedule, uh, yeah. but I didn't know how helpful the GISC uh, board was in sort of like getting you guys all prepped up and figuring out where the right places were to live and stuff. So that's actually really helpful. Exactly. Sharon helped us a lot. Like she was part of the WhatsApp group, I guess, since February or March. So that's oh, wow. like four to five months before we were actually supposed to join Marshall. Yeah. Wow. That's actually super helpful. Um, okay. And since you're trying to go, since mainly you had experience in the tech side um, and then yeah. through all your exposure learned that you didn't want to be that engineering manager going down the road and want to get more on that business side. Uh, what clubs at Marshall have you found have been sort of uh, the best for you in that pursuit? So the best club would be, I would say is HTA. It's the high tech association club in Marshall. Mm -hmm. And the best resource I would say by STA was uh, a product management workshop that was held by Sharon Tom. Oh, I remember that. Yep. Yeah. She took around seven to eight sessions on product management. And they were, these were long sessions, like three hour sessions uh, on alternate during alternate weeks. So she went through the basics of product management to advance, uh, advanced topics in product management. She did, mock interviews she gave us mock or she gave us assignments that we were uh, and she also reviewed those assignments and she she actually i think works with bcg she was a product management product manager before and now she looks at multiple products i think at bcg so she she's i think head of product or something related to that she's leading multiple products at the same time right now so she has quite a lot of experience in this field and it wow. was the best product manage, management resource i think that's out there apart from this like we uh, from our second years uh, we got uh, help regarding the casing that's that goes into product management then you have all the interview questions, behaviorals, and HTA provided us with a mentor that you can reach out to, like for any kind of suggestions, any kind of problems. Yep. So this mentor-mentee relationship is pretty helpful uh, in this club. We also had Super Saturdays where, uh, so we had three Super Saturdays. On first Super Saturday, you do mock interviews with second years. And in the second and third Super Saturdays, you do mock interviews with alums uh, over Skype or Hangouts. So they actually ask you the questions uh, 
that are currently being asked by top companies and they are actually working at many like high 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 tech companies google facebook amazon linkedin mm-hmm. so it's pretty pretty important to actually uh, being interviewed by them and get feedback from them to understand where you stand which areas you're doing better at and which areas you can improve upon so i think hta has been a very good asset for me in, in transitioning towards the business side in tech tech industry yeah i almost forget how busy our fall semesters were with all that sort of stuff going on at the same time especially when you sort of hit the ground running because i'm pretty sure that product development class was really early on wasn't it yeah so these sessions i think started in september only august or september and they spanned through three three to four months and during this time like we learned a lot these classes used to usually happen during the evening so after uh, we finished with our core classes we used to go for these sessions and if you are doing 3 hour sessions after completing our core classes you have to be pretty committed to these uh, yeah. and these sessions have to be super interactive super helpful which they were they were actually and sharon sharon it was really amazing of sharon to take out time from a busy schedule for us a marshall student she she uh, is also a marshall graduate and this 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 shows you that how strong marshall community is how strong trojan network is that yeah. even after 4 to 5 years 5 to 7 years they still care about uh, the tro- the trojan people the trojan network and yeah. uh, we would go to any length in helping us Well, I really hope that she can make it back next year because it sounds like uh, a lot of people enjoyed that class. So I hope the next year it gets to sort of have the same experience that you did that time around, especially if they're looking to get into product development or yeah, like yeah, you definitely, were. Yeah, definitely. Like if if she comes back, like it would be the best resource that's that that can help the first years into transitioning to business side into product management. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so now moving on to our last question. uh what is something that you wish you had known about marshall coming into term 1 so if anka could time travel back about like 9 months or so um so i actually i'll be honest with you i was the one of the experience that i was looking at uh school was that i would have more free time as i had compared to when i was working <laughs> but that's that's not true at all <laughs> like it's completely opposite you actually have less time when you you're at school because we have so many assignments we have so many projects uh, we have so many cases to read we have so many readings and like this is i i'll be honest with you like at the evening when i'm thinking what i did in the morning it seems like that was weeks ago <laughs> because because between the morning and the evening you would have done so many things you would have gone through so many so many meetings so many uh, assignments so many courses that you you would not believe that you actually did all of that in one day so i would say like prepare yourself to work hard to work a lot do not think you will get free time do not think you will get uh, any time to travel around la do all of that before you actually uh, start your terms start your semester i would suggest if you want to roam around the city if you want to travel at different places uh, visit some tourist spots in la come come here at least a week or two before mm-hmm. so that you can uh, do all of that before uh, 
before your classes start because after your classes start you won't have time to do anything yeah anything especially yeah with all, with like, everything going on because you're you're doing your classes you're doing all the stuff that get prepared for the recruiting cycle you're doing informational interviews so it's a lot different than a traditional job where as soon as you go nine to five, you're done for the day. You don't really yeah. do much else. There's no homework. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you can go home and relax. Uh, not, not exactly the same when it comes to, I guess, schoolwork, which I, probably the case for you as well as me. I, I forgot what it was like to have homework, which was uh, <laughs> a strong yeah. awakening there. Yeah. Like, because when you're working, you know that in the evening it's all going to end your it's going to be your personal time you can do mm-hmm. anything but in business school what you're actually doing during these evenings is you're preparing for the next day because like a lot of stuff we, we because you cannot go unprepared the next day you would be blasted out of the class or something like you you it would feel so difficult you feel out of place all the time so it's it it's actually more important that you prepare for the next day on the evening before so that you can actually go through your day a little more comfortably than you would have originally. Yeah. Cause there's, there's no feeling quite like getting called out in a strategy class uh, when you totally didn't do the reading the night before. <laughs> yeah. And it's actually hard to make up excuses on the spot and everybody knows that you're just making an excuse that's not the, that's not the truth that's not what happened yeah it's just pretty easy to tell okay uh well that about wraps up the time that we had but uh before i let you go there's a couple of things that we want to run through just before we wrap it up uh so first as a thank you for coming on to the show i'm going to give you uh you also have time to prepare this i'm going to give you 30 seconds to a minute to i guess promote or talk about anything that you want to bring attention to whether it's a club that you closely associate with uh something in your personal life Uh, literally just sort of like a minute for you to sort of just uh, use a talk about what you want. Sure, definitely. So this coming semester, I'm president of Marshall Wear. Marshall Wear is uh, kind of like an e-commerce platform here in Marshall where you can, you sell apparels, you sell uh, clothes uh, online and all of the business that comes from Marshall Wear, it, it, it actually goes to C4C as charity. So this is, I think, a pretty amazing opportunity for anyone who wants to be part of Marshall Wear to learn about the business side because you'll be running an actual business uh, uh, in, the real, in the real world. So this is no not like a mock business or a mock case or something. This is an actual business where you'll be facing real challenges and you'll be coming up with some creative solutions to solve problems. So uh, I think it would be pretty amazing if any of you people would love to join Marshallware. Awesome. And I think that ties in with uh, the product development stuff that you were doing too. So is that sort yeah, of why you picked that? So uh, as president of Marshallware, like it's, it's like I'm product manager of Marshallware. Nice. So I'll have to look at all the strategies that go into developing this. Okay. And then as the final part, uh, since I'm doing a sort of song at the end of each episode, you get to choose the song of the night for us. So it's a song that I'll add in in post to sort of play out the episode. Song of the night. You can pick um, any, it's either your favorite song, could be anything that's relevant now, maybe something you find funny. It's your choice. So I, uh, 
there's this Japanese song. So I watch a lot of anime. Okay. And I love this uh, one of the soundtrack of this one of the anime. Anime it's called One Piece. Yep. And the song is called Bink Sake. You're gonna have to type that in the chat for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I will find that and that will be placed on here. So once again, uh, thank you for joining us on it. It was lovely to get the chat with you and hear more about your experience with Marshall. Uh, Hope you have a good time out there in LA uh, where it's hopefully sunnier than it is out here on the East Coast. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. It was really, really great talking to you and hope you're safe. <laughs> thank you. Okay. <laughs> and now to play off the episode for the song of the night is Ankit's Choice, uh, Bink Saki by, uh, I guess it's by One Piece or we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. But the info will be in the actual uh, description of the podcast. So uh, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time.